I actually kind of chuckled at the video because it's Sean Payton at his, his Denver Bronco presser, right? And there's all these all these media members around him. And he's kind of standing there like, hey, Sean, what do you think about uh, Russell's quarterback coach that was not on staff, but he was in the facility? And he's like, uh, you know, I don't really know much about that, uh, um, but it's not going to happen here. I applaud Sean Payton. I don't think those guys should be there. If they're not on staff, they're not, they're not the, you know, the coaches. Why the hell is he there? It's kind of the same thing with, uh, didn't Brady run into this with like his trainer, Alex Guerrero. Yeah. Like his his, fitness trainer. That was different though, because like get him out of there. But that's, that's, that's after hour stuff. That was different though. Cause Tom Brady's Tom Brady. And when you win as much as he has, you need to allow him to have certain, I'm not going to call them benefits, but you know certain certain factors of his day to day routine. Oh, I feel like once you bring in all those type of things, and you have like a Russell Wilson bringing in his his personal guy, and I'm sure you know Russell Aaron Rodgers brought in Randall Cobb and Mercedes Lewis. Now that's guys. You know? That's guys actually playing on the team. What's this the guy, difference? This guy is clearly it can be a distraction. It's like why does Russell Wilson get an extra? you know, coach specifically just to hang out with him. Why does Tom Brady have some trainer in here? What about us? But they're different. Tom Brady's Tom Brady. It's different wanting and, and saying, Hey, you know, I want Randall Cobb to come play with me. He's my buddy. That's different (laughs) than a, like a trainer that's specifically working with you. Yeah. Like Randall Cobb could at least be also used not only as a veteran, but as a guy that's, that's going to show some leadership and teach some of the young guys, some things. This like stretching trainer that's hanging out with Brady, it's just kind of weird. Well, again, I'm all about the adult back in the room with Sean Payton telling him, no, 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 it ain't going that way. Are you saying Belichick wasn't that when Brady was in New England? Like, well, I, there was that's a weird triangle of power in New England where it was Brady, Belichick, and Robert Kraft. But when you win as much as you win. You should not mess with someone else's like y- you can't tell Brady. No, because clearly I think Bell, Bill Belichick was getting fed up with some of that stuff like the trainer, like some of Brady's antics. And then also was like, dude, I have this guy named Jimmy Garoppolo ready to go. Like if it was completely up to Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft wasn't meddling around and Tom Brady and Robert Kraft weren't as close as they were, Tom Brady, it would be gone. Like Tom Brady might have been playing elsewhere for two, three years, and it would have been Jimmy G show. Because that that that's the way that it seemed like it was going. You know, the only active quarterback with multiple multiple Super Bowl rings is Jimmy Garoppolo. As a Patriot, he is he has multiple rings. It's hard to directly disagree, but hey, I, I obviously Randall Cobb plays football. And I, frankly, he was a pretty important part of the offense. But it's funny to to draw the comparison, you know. Quarterback comes back; he needs his he he needs his guy there. And for Rodgers, it's Cobb. So you wonder well, going into next year if they bring Rodgers back, do they also bring Cobb back? Because Ebo and I have also had this discussion, and that's the one thing that bugs me about Rodgers. Like I am, I'm all for you know Aaron Rodgers trying to fight the man right and get the best for what he's worth with money and leverage and everything, everyone else in their everyday job does the same exact thing. He was just probably the most successful outside of LeBron James to do so. And probably the most successful in the NFL. Who? Sorry. Aaron Rodgers. 
in in leveraging his situation. Maybe you could argue Tom Brady, but outside of the NFL, it's it's clearly just LeBron James that has done it to a, a better, higher level than Rodgers. But probably to a detriment to his success. You could argue that, but at, at the same time, the thing that bugs me is because if the guy, the two things that bug me are the, it's not about the money because it clearly is or you wouldn't care. And the, the contract wouldn't be what it is. But I don't care about that because Aaron Rodgers is that good. He deserved that type of contract. The contract in hindsight in the next year and as, as we move on is less and less as all these other guys like Jalen Hurts get ready to sign their major deals. Patrick Mahomes signed his major deal. You get what I'm saying. The money's not, it's whatever, but it's like don't tell me it's it doesn't mean anything to you, blah, 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 because that's just a lie. But the other thing that bugs me is Aaron Rodgers talking about how he thinks he can win a Super Bowl in the right situation, but then also mentions how he needs to play with Cobb and Lewis and some of his guys because it's yep. like, you know what? You can't have your cake and eat it too when you want the best roster, but you want your buddies there. Are your buddies going to take? Are your buddies going to take deals like sweetheart deals? Because you didn't take a sweetheart deal. Now, you don't need to take a sweetheart deal, but if you want your buddies around, they better take a sweetheart deal because they aren't that good. The Packers were a disastrous red zone offense this past season. Do you want to know part of the reason for that? Well, I, other than that, I think Aaron Rodgers is a great talent, top 10 player to ever play. What he does in the offseason going to Hawaii or his ayahuasca, I could give two craps less unless he shows up you know, and plays every Sunday. I, I don't care about his off the field. I, I don't think I would ever want to get a drink with him. I don't think he would ever want to get a drink with me. I don't care as long as he's great on the football field, which he basically has been for 15 years. It's just Except those two, last year. It's just those two things that bug me. It's the it's not about the money. But I again, that's very low on my list. It's the more I need to have the right players in the right situation. Yet you want your old pals and part of the reason again that they were disastrous in the red zone i i I mean bob tanyan clearly is not wasn't the best option at tight end but when you have a you have a sixth offensive lineman out there and and mercedes lewis is a great blocker but there reaches a point where you actually need a a game-changing talent there to actually receive would you be fine like if if you were a packer fan if you're looking at the packers roster and aaron Rodgers needs to have his players would you be fine with bringing back mercedes lewis for one or two million bringing back cobb for one or two million like i'm not against that at this point i think cobb showed he had a little bit of juice again he can still be a veteran leader same thing with mercedes lewis he still looks like he's got something in the tank you know what he is but they're not worth four and a half million, four point two million, like they made last year. If you got them on one or two million dollar deals, I think it makes sense. You could bring them back for a million or two, but I don't want Mercedes Lewis out there on the field in big spots. Just because, like, fine, he could block. Great. You know what? You, you know who else can block? Great tight ends. Well, that's the like thing. If you're able to he, find a, a great, he can't be your number one. That's the thing. Or, or even a number two and, and and play the amount of snaps that he played where there reaches a point like he, the receivers are one thing, uh, the, the offensive plan or whatever are another thing. But at the end of the day, you need dynamic playmakers. And if you could grab a Darnell Washington from Georgia in the second round, well, there's a lot of good is, tight ends who is 
Imagine if Mercedes Lewis also ran fast and ran over people and could catch and like was a great receiving threat. That's Darnell Mercedes Washington. Mercedes Lewis was that. It was just 10 years ago. Sure. But that's Darnell Washington. So fine, bring him back. But I don't want to see him out on the field much. Like like in special packages, when you have two tight ends, fine. But the you need game-changing talent at that position or you're just not going to be a good offense. Ben, I received a tweet over that last segment and I thought it was kind of interesting. And it was from Justin, and Justin says, I want the pack to take the Ohio State tight end. Is it, I think he meant Stover, not this draft, but the next. We were talking a little bit off air. I don't I don't think if you're the Green Bay Packers that you can really wait to take a tight end. I, th- I think it has to be this draft. It makes too much sense for the Green Bay Packers to take a tight end this draft. The only guys currently under contract for the Green Bay Packers are Tyler Davis and Josiah DeGuara, and I don't think anyone wants those two being the top two headliners for a tight end room. Obviously, Mercedes Lewis is a free agent. Wouldn't be surprised if they had him come back for a year. Bob Tunyon is a free agent. He's coming off of a pretty bad year after tearing his knee the year before. There's not a whole lot of options, but the one option that there is in this draft is tight end. Really deep tight end draft. I think I saw that there were seven or eight tight ends that were ranked in the top 100 prospects at the tight end position for this NFL draft. So, Ben, you got to imagine they're taking a tight end, right? They have to. Like, there's no way they can't. Look at look at the good teams in football this year. Or look at the teams that are left in the playoffs. The Eagles have Dallas Goddard, who is one of the more talented tight ends. The Chiefs have the best tight end in football, Travis Kelsey. The Bengals, Hayden Hurst, who was a big help to their offense. The Niners have George Kittle. Like, whether it's Rodgers under center, whether it's Love, in today's game of mismatches and getting safeties or linebackers on tight ends and taking advantage of it, like, like that's how you win. And I think the Packers have been really hamstrung by not having a good one for a bit where like that, it just adds so much to your offense. So instead of throwing contested balls to the outside to Cobb or Lazard or whoever uh, to try to push the ball down the field that way, like you, you should be doing that to a tight end group. And it's a, it, it is a great group. Uh, Michael Mayer from Notre Dame's great. I love Darnell Washington. This kid, he's six seven, two seventy. As oh, a tight and, end. He, and, he, and he runs like a deer. He's he, he's be, he's bigger than than left tackles in in college football. He's he's unbelievable. Uh, Dalton Kincaid from Utah. Like there are a bunch of options there, and they need to. Whether it's like you draft a rookie tight end this year, will he help a Rodgers if it's his last season? Yeah. But it's also a building block for the offense going forward. So I, I would even say top two rounds. You have to have one. Yeah, and that's that goes to you naming off some of the, the tight ends there in the upcoming draft. There's like seven or eight in the top one hundred, which is which is big time. Like that's the tight end position is normally not that deep. This is one of the deeper tight end drafts in a while. And you mentioned Michael Mayer. I mean, great tight end. Darnell Washington, the the freak athlete that, by the way, isn't even the best tight end on Georgia, in my opinion. But uh, obviously, the other Georgia tight end isn't eligible for the draft. Uh, you mentioned Dalton Kincaid. That's another guy that I like. You also have Sam Laporta, who's looked really good in a lot of Big Ten games. He's another <laughs> guy in the draft. Like I mean, That's a guy that's like going to be a third-round pick, and he's solid. Yeah, maybe a little later. I'm not a big Sam Laporta guy. But you have... 
you have multiple tight ends in in this class that are all going to be first, second, third, maybe fourth round picks that can all probably come in and, and at least play at a high level or at least bring some athleticism to the room where Green Bay is severely lacking. Like yep. you, you can't. If you're the Green Bay Packers, look at their roster. The offensive line probably going to need at least one pick off the offensive line, unless unless they re-sign a Yash. Right? You're probably going to need one offensive line pick. Tight end, you're going to need multiple. Wide receiver, I think everyone would say, you know what, we should probably add there. I don't even think you should rule out drafting a running back if, you, if you're planning on cutting Aaron Jones, and that could be a real possibility depending on what happens here. And then the defense, you look at the defense, they could use probably defensive line, maybe another edge rusher, and they, they might need two safeties. I know you were talking about uh, potentially Darnell Savage being included in a Rodgers deal because it actually frees up three and a half to four million of cap space if they trade Darnell Savage. But if you trade Darnell Savage, um, Adrian Amos is a free agent. I know Rudy Ford is a free agent. I know one of their other specialists that plays the safety position for the special teams. He's a free agent. Like they don't have any safeties. They don't have any tight ends. You could possibly have to use draft picks to add an offensive line, add on the defensive line, add at receiver. It's a lot of work for the Green Bay Packers here coming up. Line two, who do I got? This is Mike from Portage. Hey, Mike, how we doing? What's up, Mike? Good. Going back to the draft and the tight end position, do you feel the tight end position is so important that we need to really put our eggs in the basket in the free agent market to go out and get a veteran tight end? Looking here at some of the free agents that are available for the tight end position, we got Dalton Schultz, Evan Ingram, Mike Isecki, Ian Hayden Hurst. I mean, these are solid guys. Yeah, I think a bunch of them might re-sign. Uh, definitely Ingram in Jacksonville. Uh, it, it feels like to me he'd re-sign. The problem is those guys are expensive, and you don't have much money to spend. I, the Packers are like $18, 19000000 million over the cap right now, so they have to cut, and they have to restructure to even get under it. Yeah, Mike, I think if I was the Green Bay Packers and in charge of their salary cap, I actually don't think it's out of the realm of possibility where you go draft a guy in the first to third round, and then at the same time trying to bring back Mercedes Lewis for super cheap because there's not a, a really great option out there or even trying to bring back Tunyon as cheap as possible and hope that year two after his knee injury looks more like uh, the year before he tore his knee. Yeah, it's obviously tight end, and we definitely need to really think about what we're going to do with David Bakhtiari in that left tackle position. Because he's inconsistent, you know, hurt all the time, in and out of games, so on and so forth. Zach Tom is definitely coming on, but will he play that position, you know, yeah, there's Bakhtiari, there is Aaron Jones, there is Preston Smith, I believe, maybe Rasul Douglas. Yeah, there's they have like about two handfuls of, of guys where they can mess with either their contract by cutting, restructuring, or trading them where they can free up money. And I know that they can, ext- or they can uh, extend Rashawn Gary. There's also like restructures with Jair. There's a lot... Of, there's a lot of things they can do, not as much as the past two years. They'll get under it, no problem, but there's not going to be a ton of money to go around to spend. Here's the here's the question, though. It's how does the quarterback situation alter how they approach the offseason? 
Because if it's Rodgers, you would expect more restructures and more kick it down the road to bring guys back and maybe a free agent signing if they can make it work. If it's love, I would almost expect a couple more cuts to open up space, some more invested in the draft picks, maybe more long-term guys. So it's really until Rodgers announces in a week or two weeks, then I, I don't think they even know how they'll approach it. Right, and with love, we got to make sure, we also got to assure his safety back there in the pocket compared to Rodgers, who's a little more experience of getting out of sketchy situations. Yeah, lots of for sure, lots to think about. Appreciate Thanks it. for the call, Mike. Well, some of the Wisconsin comings and goings of the recruiting. You know, we had the Chase Wolf news come out last night, where Chase Wolf is no longer with the program. Ben, earlier in the show, we were both kind of talking about. Uh, you know, there's going to be more of this by the time the season officially starts. There's going to be more guys coming and going just due to the lack of scholarship spots and lack of guys finally being aware of uh, there's probably not going to be room for them and there's not going to be playing time for them. Yeah, here is, uh, I think, the bigger thing to come out of all of it uh, because, again, have to get down to 85 scholarships. The quarterback room is full with Mordecai, Evers, Locke, what used to, uh, Wolf was there no longer. You have Burkett there. You have LaCrue. Too many guys there. Also, too many guys to really get reps in spring ball, which I think could lead to a transfer mm-hmm. uh, if only a certain amount are actually getting reps. But some of the quotes from Jesse Temple's piece in The Athletic breaking the news that Chase Wolf is no longer with the program. Quote, the only thing he wanted to do was compete, the source said. That's all he wanted to do. He didn't want to be offered the job. He didn't say, I want to be the starter. He may have never been the starter, but they told him he's not going to be able to compete because they've already named a starter. Now, uh, it, it is obviously noted that Tanner Mordecai is said starter. What this tells me is I, when I sit back, I look at the situation. Chase Wolf wanted to return. He wanted to compete for the starting job. Now, he decided to return after, I believe, Nick Evers committed, and he wanted to get into competition with with him. And then uh, once the Mordecai news broke, I I think Fickle and Longo legitimately were like, okay, fine. Like, that'd be great. We'd love to have you back. They didn't know at that point whether Tanner Mordecai was coming to Wisconsin. Uh, They were going after Brendan Armstrong. They were trying to get another vet, but they didn't know it was going to be him. Well, wasn't, wasn't that like right shortly after the bowl game? It was. When a guy like Tanner Mordecai becomes available and chooses to go to your program, instead of going to the draft, this is a guy that could have been a, a late round, mid to late round draft pick, you you guarantee him the starting job. Could he have been Mr. Irrelevant? I, 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 I'm <laughs> so done with that narrative. But I, you guarantee him the job. Mm-hmm. When he chooses to come to Wisconsin, he's like, okay, I'm, I'm going there. And if you were Wisconsin, it's the biggest win you could have on recruiting all offseason. Like, it's his job. He's not going to come to compete. Right. Otherwise, he would just go to the draft or go to a different school. He's coming here to play, to start, to elevate his draft status. So, to me, uh, Chase Wolf, uh, at least from what we could see in the article or the source that seemed close to Chase Wolf, did not seem happy about how Fickle handled it. Seemed to infer that false promises were made. I just think information changed. Yeah. I, cause I, I think time went on and better options became available. And if you are in Fickle's position, I, I wouldn't have handled it any differently. I don't think you could handle it any differently. Again, when a guy like Mordecai becomes available, he's your starter. And then if Chase Wolf wants to come back and compete for the backup job, 
and maybe play if, if injury, then fine. But uh, they guaranteed a competition months ago, right. weeks ago, before all this stuff happened. So I, it, it's kind of, it, it comes with the territory. Luke Fickle is creating a culture. He is building a roster. He's reshaping the program. You're going to have situations like this play out. Yeah, there was, there was a three-day span where we had the bowl game. Like, in the end of that press conference after the bowl game, it was talked about, hey, we talked to Chase, and he's going to be coming back next year. That was still at the end of the bowl game, December 27th. December 29th, Tanner Mordecai said he was entering the transfer portal. December 30th, he picked Wisconsin. There's a three-day period there where, yes, I'm pretty sure Chase Wolf was told he had a chance to compete there. And then you added you added three quarterbacks who were all four-star out of high school uh, after the bowl game. Uh it's it's one well. There's of those. other stuff that's going on too, where Tanner Mordecai has thrown over seventy touchdowns the last two seasons. Right, he was a guy that obviously made a name for himself at SMU. You mentioned how since then they added multiple four-star quarterbacks that were true freshmen last year. Yep, both that played in either shotgun spread or air raid offenses. Mm-hmm. And then there's Chase Wolf, who's playing in in a Pro style, a pro style offense with a different head coach. It is a new regime. Only became a starter because a guy left. A new offense. And he was pretty much cemented as the backup. And even Miles Burkett got some playing time where maybe you would have thought you would have saw Chase Wolf against New Mexico State. Right. So it is what it is. And honestly, he was hurt at that point, I think. The difference here is. If you were just that good, you would have stayed. But I think just looking easily at the roster, Mordecai coming in and, and committing to Wisconsin, he's definitely the front runner. Mm-hmm. You had Nick Evers and um, um, Locke. Locke. Yep. He comes in. Both of those guys have played in that type of offense. Both of those guys had connections with the new coaching staff. Right. Luke Fickle. They they had been with recruited by Phil Longo. Longo or yeah, Fickle. Yeah. Either or. And they were more highly touted. Chase so, Wolf was going to be one season and it was his sixth year. Yeah. Like there there was no ceiling, there was no future. So the question is, do you think this is a bad look for Fickle? Absolutely not. Promise. No. I, I, I agree. I don't think it is. Um You have you have the people out there who think it is because they're used to seeing blind loyalty from a Wisconsin football staff. And not seeing the actual behind-the-scenes workings of college football. Like, you'd be a lot more upset if, like, you had thin skin and worked in a football office. Like, there are things that go on behind the scenes that people just don't see. And part of it is the whole situation of... Yeah, you blow smoke up a kid's butt to get him to come for you. You're the nicest person oh. in the world, and then you, and then you become coach. You become the recruiter, and then you become the coach. Like, yeah, like people don't get that. 
And like it's a big culture shock to a lot of kids. Well, the other thing, the other thing with this is Tanner Mordecai is a guy that had been there. We all knew he was only going to be there for one season. The other two, Locke and Evers, they were guys that have no experience playing. Locke was obviously stuck behind Will Rogers, a guy that's been there four or five years. Well, he was a true freshman too, and that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like he's he not never many, played. Not many guys play as true freshmen. Nick Evers right. comes in as a true freshman, at Oklahoma. He didn't get any playing time, so they have no experience. the The clear cut guy that was easily the front runner, whether they guaranteed it or not. Mordecai was going to come in, and I would put a lot of money on being a heavy favorite, even if they opened up a competition, because yeah. he had the pedigree. He had been there. He had done that. He he had played in the offense. He Chase Wolf was falling farther and farther behind. I think at this point, I would be ready to play Miles Burkett ahead of him. Uh, I, I Yeah, I don't know. The, the whole point of bringing in quarterbacks is not to get to that point, which... Uh, like if you're down to that point in the room, you're probably not going to win a lot of games. I guess at the end of the day, if Chase Wolf wanted to play college football, he would have transferred three years ago, four yeah. years ago yeah. when when Graham Mertz struggled. Mm-hmm. And I'll just say struggled some. Yeah, uh, you, you could take well, that however thing. you want. If he really wanted to play, he would have transferred then when he wasn't good enough to start over a quarterback that was playing bad football. But then you have some people that are out there saying, well, I was told that Badger fans and that everyone wanted to have competition and open competition to see who the best guy was and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, this, this, if you have a good, good guy who threw for 7,700 yards and I not, I can't even remember how many touchdowns. I mean, like he was it's 72. People but, were complaining yeah. that Paul Chris didn't have competitions, but now Luke Fickle comes in and he's not having competitions. No, the, the difference is Paul Chris had competitions and it was open. Graham Mertz was just the best guy and no one else was good enough to even compete far, with him. Right? And it's and not close. Everyone always called for Wolf and you could think what you want about Mertz. He was far better than Wolf. Mm-hmm. He, oh. he was the far better option. And, and listen, I like, Take the coaching part out of this and, and take the management part out of this. Tanner Mordecai does not come to a new school in Wisconsin in this case unless he is guaranteed the starting job. He is he is a transfer of a stature where he is guaranteed the job. That's he not, is not yeah. coming to compete for a job. Otherwise, he would have gone somewhere else. I think, it's that simple. I think looking back, Graham Mertz was a very average Wisconsin quarterback, but his hype and his ability, like he was a guy that could make a lot of throws, but then he also couldn't make throws that you would expect him to make. He was a very average quarterback. We just had so much hype for Graham Mertz because of the Illinois game, because of the high school all-star game, because of all the stars, but he was very average. The guys that were on the roster outside of Jack Cohn at the quarterback position behind Graham Mertz, they weren't even close to average. That's why there was there could have been quote unquote open competitions, but it wasn't a competition because Graham Mertz was clearly just that much better. And like you said, Ben, Chase Wolf should have been able to see the writing on the on the wall years ago saying, dude, you ain't it here. Competition only uh, competitions only great when you have good players competing. And and I, I will say a knock on Paul Christ was not bringing in a transfer quarterback last year to compete with Mertz. And there might not have been much competition in the offseason because Mertz is better than the options they had. Yeah. The knock is why didn't you create a competition with someone else with experience that maybe could play? But 
I am I am totally fine with uh, if if you have like a, a top of the country if you've Keanu Benton at nose tackle, why in the world would there be competition at that spot? They, it's they the same thing with Mordecai. They didn't feature him. No. He did not show well, any of this that we saw. At I think Luke Fickle's doing a, a really smart thing. You think about it, you're bringing in a Tanner Mordecai on a one one year basis. You know that he's been there, done that in the offense. I mean, we've talked about that at length now, but he is your guy. But yet at the same time, you bring in two highly touted four stars that have not ever really started. They have no experience, but they're going to learn your system. They've already kind of played in a similar type system. Mm-hmm. Your coaching staff is familiar with them. Locke these, has, not, these, not Evers. These guys are going to sit and learn for one year, and then you're going to have a competition to see who is really the starter next year. Yeah. And it, if if Tanner Mordecai stinks, and for some reason he can't get it done, and you know, he looked like a Russell Wilson at SMU, but comes into Wisconsin and plays like a Danny O'Brien. You have a backup. You have backup plans called Nick Evers and, and Brain Locke. Yeah. That, that's your backup plan. And they're highly touted. Yeah, they're inexperienced, but they're highly touted. And that's a great backup plan. This has worked perfectly for Wisconsin. And we talked about, you know, kind of thinning, thinning the roster, th- thinning kind of some of the dead weight. Chase Wolf was the dead weight. Yeah. Like that's that's excess players that you had. I he mean, was a I still got he was a walking turnover. I, I mean, I I still argue. No, I, I, I think his return was positive for the program and for the team. Now, obviously, there have been advances made with the roster with certain, you know, they bring in a lot more guys. The scholarship count is what it is. Mm-hmm. I thought his return was valuable because he's someone who knows the program and has been here for a while and can help ease the transition to a new age, if you will, and under fickle, where if you look at the room and it's a lot of guys that have never been at Wisconsin before, but he, he has been. So, so I actually thought his, his return was very positive. You didn't think he had an inside track, did you? uh, I'm not going to go there. (laughs) I, uh, I I don't know. I, I don't mean to dance on like, like he's leaving the program. He might go play somewhere else. He might not. I think everyone can agree. It was clear. He wasn't going to play here. I guess it's been clear for a while. But I don't mean to dance on, you know. And it's his, one of those. Like, he's, he's been here for five years. You don't see yeah. that in college football. No. So. It, it's one of those, though. Uh, I mean, on Kenny on the Heilprin, when Mordecai uh, tra- uh, announced his transfer on the camp, on name a, name a show, <laughs> on over the, over the line, it was all, well, he's going to be your starter next year. Well, it, it it's just common sense. He's Wonder clearly the most everybody. He's clearly the most pedigreed player. He's played in the offense. He's thrown seventy plus touchdowns in the last two years. Like yeah. he's clearly your guy with the inside track. No, but there's there's no inside track. I again, I don't. It's, it's, yeah, I, I don't it's, really think this is important. This is kind of semantics. But again, yeah. Tanner Mordecai does not transfer to Wisconsin if he's not, unless he is yeah. guaranteed the starting job. Right. None of none, none of all that stuff of uh, whether he's better than this guy or that guy matters. Like like he's the. Starter. I don't think anyone seriously ever thought that Chase Wolf or even some of the young transfer quarterbacks really did have a shot. Oh, Morde- you should have seen my tour when Mordecai <laughs> officially came came and transferred to Wisconsin. I don't think anyone that's serious about anything didn't actually believe that some of these guys had real shots. I said, I, I actually, uh, before Mordecai came, I I tweeted out a poll. It was after Evers. It was after Wolf returned. Mm-hmm. 
I said, who who starts game one for Wisconsin in 2023? And about 70% said Nick Evers. And my whole point was Wisconsin would be in a better place next year if he wasn't starting because we don't know what he is yet. And he's only been in college for a year. Mm-hmm. Two days later, three days later, I forget when, Mordecai commits. And then I ran the same poll and 90% say Mordecai. Right. Where <laughs> I, I mean, people were caught up in the hype as it all was going on as to each commit and, you know, this and that. But yeah. So uh, now I'm going to pose a question for both of you. The way too early Wisconsin Badgers 2024 starting quarterback will be. That's a good question. Tanner Mordecai. Uh, nope. No, no, no. He'll be gone. Oh, 2024. <sighs> Lock. Lock, Evers, I will say Burkett, or not on roster. It's it's Lock or Evers. I'm I'm going to say Lock solely because of the I'm way. I'm with you, RJ. I'm, I'm on Lock Solely as well. because of the way. Why? They ha- that whole because he came from Mississippi State. No, it, the whole article on him and Longo's connection and how he made the mistake of saying no to Longo the first time, and the fact that they he was there for the half hour meeting that turned into a four hour offensive breakdown. Fine, uh, but none of that two. matters when. The two go on the field, and True. I have no idea who's better. See, no, I'm gonna neither guess- do I, but like solely based on outside information on that one article, that it it you turned into a four hour offensive breakdown and play calling with a a guy you were just trying to get a transfer here, like that's saying a lot for somebody. And I, I the reason how I got the thought process to lock as well, he's going to have a year to learn. This is a guy that went to Mississippi State, which we clearly know is air raid. He sat behind Will Rogers, who mm-hmm. was not going to be replaced. Right. And on the flip side, Nick Evers, Oklahoma, slightly different type offense. Still more slightly open, different. Still more yeah, open than more Wisconsin, offensive, but slightly <laughs> different from like the air raid Phil Longo. Yep. But the other thing is, he had sat behind a guy that was experienced, but also wasn't very highly like he's not a Will Rogers type right. guy. And Dylan then Gabriel, he he was better than Will Rogers. He, he wasn't up there. And then when he goes down, they decided oh, to grab well. somebody else. Went, yeah, yeah, that was else. the point. Yeah. And, and well, the biggest part is they have Jackson Arnold coming in, who's a five star. Yeah. And Evers knew that long term it was going to be Arnold because Brent Venable's tenure is somewhat tied to Jackson Arnold. Yeah. But I, I mean, I think Dylan Gabriel's a better quarterback than Will Rogers. So with not really knowing into much more than that. <laughs> Those type of surface facts, my best guess would be lock. In I, I, I think it's 50 50. I, I mean, a, a head start in the in the system, I don't think matters because what are they going to do for the next year and a half is learn the system and have reps. So at that point, how much does it actually matter? Because I and I'm sure there there are differences in what Longo does and what Mike Leach did. Rest in peace at Mississippi State. I like it's it's probably fifty fifty. I I have no clue. It's going to look so different then than it does now. Uh, and, and it could be someone outside the building. Frankly, what if none of them are could ready? Be, uh, maybe Matower. Uh, I would I would bet against that. Hey, scenario. I did give you the option. Somebody not in the program. Um, but that could happen. I I I would say fifty fifty. Uh, lock Evers. The real question is: Would you put down a five hundred dollar bet with five people <laughs> saying it's going to be lock? 
No, no. <laughs> I'd put a $5 bet down on with five different people. But it's it's like Ben said. It's like we really don't know a ton about these players. No, these absolutely. players really haven't right. played anywhere else. It's it's about reading stories. It's about making your best guess versus, you know, some of the places they've gone and some of their experiences. Yep. But you don't actually know. No. We haven't even seen them in a spring ball or spring practice. No. like yeah. that. It's the most basic use your best inference and knowledge on all the things you know from articles, from statistics and where they came, everything. All right, I'll say Evers. Uh, do you want to know why? <laughs> do you want to know why? Let's find out why. Braden Locke, the number 383 ranked recruit in the country, the number 22 quarterback, the number 54 overall player from Texas in the class of 2022. Uh. Remember that. Also in the class of 2022, oh. Nick Evers, okay. 172 in the country, Ooh. number nine quarterback, oh. number 27 from Texas. Oh. So there's my my random guess based on the recruiting <laughs> rankings where Evers was hey. far superior. It's not like recruiting rankings are ever ever wrong. Yeah, you can't. You oh, can't. I know they're wrong sometimes, but That's, but they're, they're we get the, the best more out accurate of than you talent. think. We get the best out of lesser talent, yeah, but here's, so we go with Locke. Or we you, used to get the best out of lesser nope, talent. Hey, we don't know what that RJ, is. <laughs> this is but Wisconsin's he just recruiting. strengthened our point. He just strengthened our point with that. And yeah. reason being is whenever Wisconsin <laughs> recruits a highly touted quarterback, they stink. Well, this is supposed to be new. This is supposed to be a new Wisconsin. By the way, I will say this. this and they're um, only about 33% on transfers. <laughs> I, I will say this. There are players like these three guys and some others they've grabbed that, you know, change the outlook next season. There are there is also this mass hysteria over every single transfer they've landed. Uh, and I, I've said, who leads Wisconsin in receiving next year? I've said, part of me wants it to be Keontes Lewis or, frankly, Skyler Bell or Chimray DK, but mostly Keontes Lewis because He's he, he, he was a transfer. Everybody else who is still, well, still on the roster. Well, he was a transfer. <clears throat> yeah. And I think many people out there will be like, oh, look, look, a transfer receiver. Look at new Wisconsin. I'll sit back and say, yeah, you're right. He was a transfer receiver. Paul Chris got him. Yeah. So he did. there's him. Uh, it, like, it's not as if this, the program, like Polkers brought in a pretty good transfer class last year. Mm-hmm. He just didn't do it at quarterback. And that was the difference. Right. And the line. And the biggest problem was the coaching staff and how much the line struggled. But like, yeah, let's he, talk realistically. In, he built the secondary. Yeah. He brought in Lewis. He, he brought in Ches Malusi years, uh, a couple years before. You also did lose your best staff recruiter last year. Even though nobody wanted him there because he uh, potentially was a bad O line coach, your your best recruiter was Joe Rudolph. I mean, let's be honest; it's not as if Bostad came to the line and suddenly fixed everything. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like you at the cost that's of what I, at the cost of having the guy I said who it when was, Rudolph left. Yeah, who was your offensive coordinator and your own line coach, which didn't help that your O line was regressing and you weren't explosive offensively anymore your best recruiter was a casualty of that. Um, they actually that were, but well, what's crazy is that they were explosive last year until the weather. You mentioned how there are some movement in the Aaron Rodgers and where his landing spot is next season for playing NFL quarterback. And then you mentioned that uh, the green Bay Packers also featured on there. Yeah. And they're sliding. So maybe Vegas knows something. Vegas or, usually does know something. Or, or maybe public perception is going crazy. But uh, Bill Huber wrote this up on uh, SI.com 
uh, the Packers site of that. In new odds posted overnight at DraftKings Sportsbook, the Las Vegas Raiders actually have become a massive favorite at minus 450 to be the four-time MVP's new team with Devontae Adams uh, leading, obviously, the public recruiting part. That is an implied probability at minus 450 of 81.8%. The Jets, with Hackett over there and the connection we have drawn to them with Joe Namath and Greeny going crazy, they have fallen back to plus 350. And then behind them even are the Packers. The Packers have gone from the betting favorite as of last week and as of this whole offseason. They were minus 110 very recently. They are now at plus 600. They've gone from a 52% implied probability by Vegas to around 14%. So you have the Raiders at minus 450, a prohibitive favorite. You have the Jets at plus 350, and then the Packers behind that, meaning either A, Vegas is reacting to all this craziness with Devontae and all the talk, uh, all the tweets, all the stuff from Pebble Beach, or B, Vegas knows that the Packers are moving on. And it could be somewhere in the middle there, but it's when, when you see line movement this drastic happen, uh, maybe as a result of, you know, public hype or Devontae talking, but when you see line movement this drastic, this isn't just smoke. Well, here's the difference in props like this, because clearly one team is is like a heavier favorite, like the Green Bay Packers started as a heavy favorite, the team that he's currently on. There's a difference between these type of props and like your everyday, you know, NFL matchup, like a side or a total, like Packers favored by three against the Vikings, totals 52, whatever it is. Those games have been bet into all week. So they've been taking, you know, money on different sides or totals all week. It takes a ton of money to move those type of lines. Unless? Unless there's like an injury designation or whatever. Or unless Vegas knows something. But on, yeah, like if there is an injury that's not announced. But on something like this, you're right as it could be one of two things. But if someone wagered a decent amount of money on a prop that was like at, at... plus odds not too long ago, these props can change a lot more drastically than like a, a total or, or a side. But to your point, there could be also some whispers or someone knows something in Vegas, but they also keep the limits very low for these because inside information is possible. Like we had a betting guy on with bill uh, yesterday. He was talking about some of the super bowl props and some of them, where in theory you could know, like Gatorade or the Anthem, they they keep the limits low so that they don't get completely ransacked. Yeah, depending ransacked. on where you're at, probably the the biggest for a lot of Super Bowl props is Circa right now, and you can get like 2000 down on a side. But even depending on who you are, you might only be able to get 20 bucks down. Right, but I think, I, I look at this movement, the Packers... On January 23rd, we're minus 125 to retain him. On January 28th, five days later, they were minus 110. On January 31st, oh, oh, excuse me, minus 125 on January 23rd, minus 115 on January 28th, minus 110 on January 31st, now plus 600 on February 7th. So they were losing ground the entire time. Right, but either A, 
the market has just drastically shifted because Devontae Adams spoke in the last, what is that, uh, January 30 for eight days? Or B, Vegas has a very strong hunch that the Packers will trade him. That's how I read this. Uh, and, I mean, if you are out there and still really believe that he'll be back and the Packers want him back, then I would advise taking that plus 600. Do you think Aaron Rodgers would personally okay a trade to Oakland? Or, sorry, Las Vegas to play for the Raiders? Yeah, probably. You think so? Because it's Well, it doesn't make sense to me, as I've said, if I were him, I would rather play for the Jets or the Dolphins. That's what I'm saying. Like the Titans, but it's Devontae. He and and he knows that him and Devontae can work, and he knows if he goes in there, they'll have a prolific passing offense because they have a solid line. Josh Jacobs is very good. I doubt Darren Waller will even still be there, but they have Devontae Adams, and, and that's the difference. And Josh Jacobs might not even be there. Sure, uh, but I, I mean, part of it is comfort. He also, like, he'll put up ridiculous numbers with Devontae. Well, probably. But the thing is, he has told us that he's not about numbers. He's about the legacy and trying to get another Super Bowl. If if you really, if he really is about that, is he really going to okay a trade to Oakland where obviously they're going to have to unload draft picks or, or at least assets, and one of them could be uh, Wallen? Like, that's a big piece. That's one of their big pieces. Now, I know he's on the wrong side of 30, but it, when healthy, he's still a really good tight end. It would just be it, it, like Josh Jacobs. They didn't pick up his fifth-year option. Maybe they tag him. Maybe he gets a contract and leaves. Like, who, who knows? But that's another question mark. And now it would be literally Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, and the defense is pretty suspect. Sure. Like, like, who's a sure thing on that defense this outside is, of Max Crosby? This is, but this is exa- well, Chandler Jones, and not many others. But this yeah, is, that's this what is exactly what I said yesterday, though. This is my whole point yesterday: is that I don't think the fit makes sense. But if this is what Vegas is really trending towards, I tend to believe them. Now, Fuller brings up a good point. There's no way Aaron Rodgers would probably want to play in that division. You still have the Chiefs and Mahomes. I know Remember, I said all this yesterday yeah, as to why the fit doesn't make sense. I but it, Sean Payton hired by Denver. But part of it is a question of can Devontae lobby the Raiders front office to give up enough because Rodgers has to okay it, but the Packers obviously would look for the best offer. If the Raiders could give more than the Jets could, then the Packers would do that as long as Rodgers would be okay with it. And I truly think with Devontae there, he would probably be okay. But this is the whole argument I made yesterday that 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 fit with the Ra- with the Raiders doesn't make nearly as much sense as the others to me. If I were Rodgers, but I'm not, so maybe it's just Devonte. Maybe that's the difference. It, well, if Rodgers truly is being honest and saying he's just looking for another Super Bowl, it's not about the stats anymore. There's no reason for him to go to Oakland because that team can't win a Super Bowl. Like sure, like we were talking about the Green Bay Packers, and if they keep Rodgers, what are the odds that they can win a Super Bowl? I still think Green Bay, if they kept Rodgers, depending on what had happened, they still have a percentage of winning the Super Bowl. It might not be big, but it's a hell of a lot bigger than Oakland or than Las Vegas opportunity. Hmm. Yeah. And at that heavy of a favorite, I don't think I'd be willing to wager on it. Well. Yes, but this is more you you take information from what the odds are going towards. 
Like I, I read this as, as the days go by, it feel, and, and yes, this is also because we are more separated from hearing Rogers talk football, but my gut feeling is the, as the days go by. And I think like logically, if you're the Packers, I think you should trade him. If you really want to look logically at how you can get back to a Super Bowl, but uh, it's, it's hard when you have, I would say a lot of logic on one side, but obviously the, uh, the, the factor of the hope, I guess the hope that the legacy can be improved with some miraculous run next season. This means absolutely nothing, but I'm going to ask you it. How do you think the Aaron Rodgers Jersey sales would go? If he did become like a Raider or a jet, think they would jump off the page. Like yeah, other players obviously. in the past. Obviously, I don't know. There's a lot of Rodgers haters out there. Brady went to Tampa. A lot of Rodgers haters out there. Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay. Fans of that team, they'll all buy it. Tom Brady went well, to yeah, Tampa. Course, it was fans one of the, of the team. But do you think some of the like the the people that are like jersey collectors that what go do you out think non Packers fans are buying Aaron Rodgers jerseys now? Probably not. Not many. So it's the same deal. If he goes to why in the world would I buy a Rodgers Jets jersey unless I'm a Jets fan? I got. I have a. I have a Tim Tebow jersey. I'm not Which a Denver is, Bronco fan. Did Did you buy it or did you get it off one of the websites? I got it as a gift. Bucks? But okay, no, so, I got it as a gift. All right. Well, that that's a little different. But in general, it's about how how excited and passionate does the fan base become? And Vegas has a. I mean, the Raiders have a passionate fan base, as do the Jets. The Jets have just stunk forever, so they they, they would jump all over it. I think if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm somehow trying to get to Miami. Yeah, that would be like a, that, a much I think better that fit. Would, I think because... But what would the Dolphins give up to do it? That's the issue, is you have all these teams. Not only are you Rodgers, and you might be going somewhere where they have to give up enough to get you, where the team isn't in the best spot, but I, what does Miami have to trade? Draft picks? Sure, I like if if I'm the Dolphins, I don't know. If, if you're I the do. Packers, though, you're making this trade. Are you really? Are, the Dolphins have your, a young quarterback. Yeah, but it's Tua. Yeah, but Rodgers will it's play Tua there for a year. Versus Rodgers. Do uh, you really think Tua is the future of, of like all of a sudden he can be some great quarterback? Like I think he's average. They can win with him when he's healthy. They've shown that. Plus, you also have to think about the dynamics, uh, where if if Mike McDaniel has something working with Tua. And that offense, when healthy again, then you wonder, like, there is a risk some of these teams might take bringing in Rodgers because he would have a lot of power in that situation as well. Not as much as he'd have in Green Bay, clearly, because he has a lot of it. But if you bring in a guy like that, like Brady went to Tampa, Brady got Bruce Arians pretty much fired. Like, he wanted a new head coach there. When you have a guy of that stature, he won go a Super in. Bowl with I, I know he won a Super Bowl, but. When you have a guy of that stature go to a new organization, he is going to have a lot more power than normal. So it's a question of does McDaniel want to deal with that? Like, I don't think Shanahan would, but then the Niners are, are a separate story. Well, the Niners already tried to trade for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. That, and So I think Shanahan would, but I don't think they have the draft capital with, I mean, they went out and traded a ton away. For, what was it? Three first round picks for Trey Lance? I don't and, think... LaFleur would let Rodgers go there, nor would, would the Packers in the NFC. Unless they give unless they offer way more than the Jets or Raiders would. It just like it, it makes so much more sense to go send him to a place. I, I mean, 
I, I the Raiders don't make sense to me. However, there is the part of it where Josh McDaniels isn't, you know, the most accomplished head coach and might not be a good one. And Rodgers would be able to go and run the show there. What are your thoughts on, because I saw this one popping up actually recently, the New England Patriots. I don't see that at all. Because obviously Bill Belichick has a lot of respect for Aaron Rodgers and his talent, and they just brought in for OC Bill O'Brien, who's clearly a good, he's clearly a good OC, whatever people want to say about him. And, and Not his, at Bama last year. And his struggles like in Houston as a head coach and as a general manager, but he has had a track record of being a pretty darn good offensive coordinator and especially working under Bill Belichick and the Patriots. And I think you got to make Bill O'Brien clearly an upgrade to whatever the hell was happening in New England offensively last year. And the same way that uh, Bama's probably upgrading by getting rid of him. I don't know. I think Bill O'Brien is kind of like the the Mike McCarthy type coach that gets crapped on a lot, but he's actually a lot better than uh, most people give him credit for. Yeah. Uh, uh, our guy Vagabond Johnny chimes in and uh, wonders why I'm comparing Aaron Rodgers jersey sales to Tom Brady uh, and how I did with how much power they would have going in. And he mentions uh, Matt Ryan with the Colts as a more accurate comparison. And I disagree with that. While I... Uh, while Brady is in a different stratosphere as a you know sport, like as a winner, as an accomplished quarterback in the league, Aaron Rodgers is a lot closer to him in terms of uh, mystique and aura and stature than Rodgers is to Matt Ryan. That's not even close. Yeah, like 100%. if you look at the most impactful veteran quarterback additions in the last three four years, Brady's obviously way far and above the best. And then I think Matt Ryan and Russell Wilson are similar. And Rodgers is a lot closer to Brady in terms of hype and stature or will be wherever he goes, if he does go, than with Ryan and and Wilson. No one thought Matt Ryan was going to go and light the world on fire. Jets fans will talk themselves into winning a Super Bowl with Rodgers. Matt Ryan was clearly showing decline in his last couple years in Atlanta and then made it to Indy. Like Aaron Rodgers, you still see, even with the bad thumb, the the offensive line that wasn't up to par the first half of the season, the young, inexperienced wide receivers, the tight ends that were terrible, you still saw some of the best throws in the NFL. Like he's he's not washed. And even if even if you think maybe he is regressing, it's nowhere near the regression that Matt Ryan had his last couple years in Atlanta. No, um, and I, I will note that Ryan was had his best year with Shani as his OC, and after that, it wasn't nearly as good. But I take away the on-field stuff. That's not really what I'm talking about at the heart. I'm talking about the hype and the the stature again that that Rogers would bring to that organization, and then how much power he would have, like just just walking into the building in terms of how things are done in the in the quarterback room, in the offensive room, how the offense is operated at the line of scrimmage, right? Like we see with the Packers, a lot of timeouts are used, and Rodgers is best of all time at drawing guys off sides. But they, like, it's pretty clear that when he's at the line, it, like it's his team. There isn't necessarily a... Uh, I don't know the best way to say this. It's not as if he's checking out of Matt LaFleur's calls, but he does have a, a different level of power at the offense at the line of scrimmage than other quarterbacks do which is deserve it like Brady same way Peyton Manning 
uh, than younger guys do. Like he goes into a new system with a new head coach that's not used to that. Do they allow him to do that? How does that? How do those dynamics work? That's different again than Matt Ryan. That's where I think he's closer to Brady. Ben, you brought up the name Nick Sirianni. And obviously he's the head coach for the Philadelphia Eagles. Obviously the Super Bowl is this Sunday between the Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs. But you said you don't think Nick Sirianni has many fans out there and or in this state specifically. And people don't like his act is what I've garnered from. Uh, Really since they've gone on the run this year. The funny thing is there have been a lot of things throughout the year that I've not been a fan of. Uh, and there were a lot of things last year that actually make what's going on this year. I, it, it's it's genuine. I, I don't think there is any fake there. But there have been things I disagreed with, like him drawing at Colts fans after they beat the Colts and he's buddies with Frank Reich. And he was like, that was for Frank. Didn't love that. He was uh, cursing at Cowboys players at the end of that game because of last year when they were uh, talking crap about him. So he's, uh, he has an edge. And I guess you could throw that in with the whole Eagles city of Philadelphia thing. The mean mugging the camera, I honestly, I thought was hilarious when, when the Eagles were up big against the giants, it's just like, it rubs people the wrong way, which I don't know. I, I could see how it does. Uh, if, if the results on the field are good, then all that stuff is good too. That's all I'll say. I'll be honest. When I think of like, some coaches that are D bags or, or whatever. I don't think a Nick Sirianni. I know he, I know he's relatively new. Nor should but you. But like though. the yelling at Colts fans about a past like coach that he worked under, I don't really care. You know, the act can go as long as the Eagles are successful, right? Because like if he continues this and the Eagles are like an eight nine team, it's probably not going to go as far. But at this point, I don't even. I don't really think of. Nick Sirianni for coaches that I'm like, man, I don't know about that guy. Yeah. He's, he did the whole cater to the fans thing when he would start wearing, like he, he wore a beat Dallas shirt to his presser during Cowboys week. Who cares? It's funny. It's going to get a reaction. Well, it's funny until you lose by 50, which they did that time. So it's like, you could keep that stuff to the side next time. Um, yeah, he he does the whole catering. I I don't know. I think he's a uh, I, he seems genuine. He's a he's from the players coach mold, so it's not as if he's a he's a hardo, like a like a Belichick that just shows off for the cameras. Like this is just the it's the attitude. It's the edge. Who do you he think brings. is the most hated coach in the NFL? The most hated? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Jeff Saturday. Does that count? Is that hated or he's just stinks? Um, well, yeah, uh, stinks. Let's see the most, the most hated coach. Um, I I mean, people don't like Mike McCarthy, not personally. They just don't think he's good, which I, I I disagree with again. You know, Um, I think the easy, like the easy one that sticks out to me is like, well, no one likes Bill Belichick, but like, we know that that is Bill Belichick. That's who he is. He, He doesn't care. He just wins. I, I think you might be on to something with McCarthy. I think you know he what? might be like the most hated coach and for maybe some of the things he's done or things he hasn't done. But I think McCarthy might be the guy that's up there when you just breaking down the teams that takes a lot of strays. You know what? I think I'd say Shanahan for myself. Personally, what do you not think Shanahan's good? 
I think he's a good coach. I think there's some over-the-top praise sometimes that's heaped on him when he consistently makes mistakes. Who do you think's better? In-game. Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay? Hmm. Uh, probably McVay. And they had a bad year this year, but they were the Man. team. Man. The team got crushed by injuries. So here's the, th- the reason why I asked you those two. Obviously, they were all... Sean McVay's the, been to two Super Bowls and won one. They, they are all from the same tree, right? Kyle Shanahan's dad's tree. And mm-hmm. then they were all in Washington together. We know how that all ended. Obviously, Matt LaFleur there. But since then, Los Angeles, like you said, went to two Super Bowls, won one. San Francisco continuously feels like they make it to the NFC Championship game only to lose. Or, or be a good team and then find a way to lose. Kind of like what we've experienced as Packer fans. But when you look at them playing head-to-head, Kyle Shanahan absolutely owns Sean, uh, Sean sure. McVay. And he absolutely owns Matt LaFleur. He just somehow has not come up with the right luck to get to the Super Bowl and win it. Yep. I, I mean, Because what? They, they actually outplayed the Chiefs for most of that Super Bowl. Until Patrick Mahomes became Patrick Mahomes and found a way to win, and Jimmy G was average. Yep. Yeah, the head-to-head stuff is, it has to be contextualized with what the teams look like, but I guess I just push back on all of the anointing him as the best coach in the NFL when uh, he kind of hasn't, he hasn't directly done it, right? Like, he's he, he's shown it, but when it comes down to a lot of the in-game stuff he has struggled. So now we're up against that's where I come here. His, uh, also, like, let's be honest, the logos on his hats are, are kind of infuriating. How, how, how Shanahan's? Yeah. Like the San Francisco 49. Yeah. Logo. Like there were moments where they would get bigger and bigger. Now they get smaller. It's like he, the hat's not normal. I think the clear answer actually is Brandon Staley. Uh, do you have OCD? No, no, <laughs> like, I've never noticed his hat and his logo oh my being God, the bigger logo, versus smaller. The, the logo is ridiculous. I think Brandon Staley's the answer. That's because everyone thinks he's a bad coach. So I've asked you a lot of questions and I promised Ebo that I would do this at least once Uh-oh. while you were in here and we're up against the break. So I'll ask you and I'll, I'll let you think about it. I'll let you sit on it for about three to four minutes and then I'd like your answer for the last segment. Chase Wolf does have an inside track. At no, no, no. I, who wins in a fight? Oh, Giannis God. with a baseball bat or Christian Yelich with a basketball? I, I don't care. I told I, I told I, Evo I like, would run one of these these uh, potential matchups by you. I, I, I don't care. Because I know you love them. So, no. so think about your answer. 